lay them on the money line, and then roll it over every single time they win. Way out of here. Oh, goodness. The last seven games in which they've come in with rest have all gone under. Plus 115, the price I paid for this, the yeah, I like it. Makes the catch at the 10, and he's in for a touchdown. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. Welcome into the latest Behind the Bets podcast. We are taping this Wednesday morning in Las Vegas, August 25th. I am Doug Kazarian. Football season just around the corner. We're going to be talking NFL with a little college at the end with John Murray of the Las Vegas Superbook at the Westgate. Uh, coming up momentarily, of course, uh, that also means contests around the corner. So he's going to take, take us behind the scenes a little bit with the super contest. West, William Hill is a cool one with the college. Million dollars in guaranteed prizes. Ten weeks, eight picks against the spread in college football. Uh, $1,000 entry out here in Las Vegas. I came in like second or third back in the day. The old Leroy's college football contest. Really cool. What's even cooler is if you win, you get one of those big checks. I did not get one even though I asked. So uh, Circa has a couple... Contest as well. They have an NFL pick them against the spread, five picks, kind of like the super contest, but also their survivor pool is the big one that really resonated last year. Six million dollar guaranteed payout. Derek Stevens does an awesome job. We have 18 weeks this season. He added sort of quote unquote another week for both Thanksgiving Day and Christmas. You have to save teams. Last year when Dak got hurt, that was the big thing. The Washington football team upset the Cowboys, and that kind of erased a lot of entries. So uh, that's a twist of theirs, but it's a $1,000 entry. That is a huge discussion throughout the season. So they do an awesome job. So you're out here, you can always get proxies as well. Same with the Superbook, and we'll talk to Murray with that coming up. So a lot of fun stuff. We have previous podcasts that the Shelf Life holds. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders did a separate one for the NFC and a separate one for the AFC. Tom Hart on the SEC had some uh, college win totals as well with Jay Romano. Uh, who's a pro better out here in Las Vegas. So he did some futures in the college market. So a lot of good content out there. Week zero starts this weekend. I've mentioned that I liked UCLA back when it was 14 and a half, 15, 15. It's up to 18, probably not going to get involved. I like the over in the uh, Nebraska-Illinois game. Defense optional for the Illini. We know that even though Brett Bielema is the new coach in Champaign. But I just think Adrian Martinez, healthy, will carve up that team. It was a low point last year when they lost the, the fight in Illini. So uh, I think... Nebraska has its way on offense, and it's not exactly the black shirts of the glory years on defense. Illinois should be able to put up some points as well. 55 seems pretty low, all things considered. So some NFL coming up with Murray, and we'll get into some college plays uh, from behind the counter. Again, the biggest needs, the liabilities, all that fun stuff we do, and we'll do the college stuff on the back end. Kicking is for losers. Back by popular demand, and I mean very popular demand, Mr. Executive Director at the Westgate, Las Vegas Superbook, John Murray. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, buddy. You know, just got back from a little trip to Del Mar with some of the boys, had some fun out there, but now I'm ready to turn the page to football. You know, it was good to get out there, and it was short and sweet, just one day for us, but uh, obviously I've seen you outside of that. We're going to probably try to hang out a few more times before football gets going, maybe even hit the golf course. I'm the one who flaked last time. But uh, either way, I, uh, it's good to get you back. A lot of people asking about whether you'll be joining us, and the answer is yes. And we're starting to, um, to look ahead to the NFL season, the futures market. Obviously, you guys have the Super Contest, which has obviously been the, sort of the gold standard all along. I imagine signups are going to be pretty packed this year. 
Oh, there's no doubt. You know, we've we've really adjusted the format this year uh, with it with it being an 18 week NFL regular season. We now have three six week contests and six three week contests within the overall contest. So when you sign up, you're entering yourself into 10 different contests. And if you get off to a bad start week one, week two, well, there's a new contest starting in week four. And then oh, there's awesome. two more contests starting in week seven. So for the price of one and $1,000 entry, you're getting yourself into 10 different contests. We just got the uh, entry number 800 this morning. We're talking here on Wednesday morning. I think we're going to end up with a really good number this year. We've got Super Contest Weekend this weekend and a, and a fun new format for sure. So that's my question. Remember the World Series of Poker just like exploded in popularity about a decade ago or so, and it just became almost like luck, the, the main event I'm talking about, just because it's so hard to beat the masses, even if you're a sharp better. Has it been sort of lucky or like pro betters that have won the last few years? I think when, when the entries got up to like 34, 3,500, uh, it, it does become sort of a lottery. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, it's really – obviously, we're rooting for as many entries as possible, but I think if you're, if you're a contestant, you almost want there to be less entries because those in-season prizes, those are guaranteed dollar amounts. Those nine in-season contests, the payouts aren't going to change. So you really want to have less people in there. It becomes less of a lottery. Uh, yeah, it's mostly been uh, – mostly been uh, public type players that have won the super contest, but the super contest gold is a different story. That's the $5,000 entry winner. Take all the guy that won it last year is a very well-known, very sharp professional sports better. And the guy that won it the year before also a very sharp guy. So the super contest gold seems to be where the pros do their work. The super contest is more for the, for the public, I think. And the 5k entry obviously is sometimes what separates the pros. They want to get, the bigger payout and things like that. Anyways, uh, let's get into some futures here. Now we'll get into the big tickets and liabilities and some of the fun stuff. I mean, it's all fun, but mm -hmm. you know, I want to talk about season win totals. I've been on record saying, I think the Cowboys under nine and a half minus minus one twenty. If you can get it, the juice has gone up a little bit with the Dak news surfacing, but that's my favorite win total play out there. Your Washington football team has entered the mix. Finally, a competent quarterback. I think the giants are going to be much better than they were last year. I don't think the defense really got enough respect. That schedule was really brutal last year, so they played well, even though the record did not indicate as such. And I think adding Galladay and getting Barkley back, I, I just think the division's going to be tougher. The Dallas offensive line is not what it used to be. More so, outside the division, you can make a case. They go winless on the road outside the division. Now, it's a little bit of confusing in terms of – so obviously we know they play in away teams, Giants, Eagles, Washington. But then outside yeah. of that – I don't know, man. Look, you open at Tampa, then you go to the Chargers, then you're at the Patriots a handful of weeks later, at the Vikings, at the Chiefs, at the Saints. That seems like a brutal six-game road, non-division slate. I think 0-6 is on the table, maybe 1-5, so under 9.5 seems like a logical play for me. Well, we here at the Westgate Superbook, we totally agree with you. In fact, we actually moved our number from nine and a half down to nine. We're booking the Cowboys win total right now at nine flat, and we're trying to write some money on the over. And we, we've positioned ourselves to do very well if Dallas does go under their win total. I agree with everything you said, but I'm disappointed in you. You left out one of the main factors. Mike McCarthy is still the ah. head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Talk about a reason to not like the Dallas Cowboys – 
I agree with everything you said. I think it's an excellent point about the schedule especially, but don't forget about that Mike McCarthy situation. And there's a lot of questions about Dak Prescott's health. I don't mm-hmm. think we can just assume he's going to be fully healthy going into the season. Don't like McCarthy at all. Cowboys, it would take a lot to get to 10 wins with that schedule. I agree with you, and we agree with you here at the, at the Superbook. We're trying to book the Cowboys to do well if they go under that win total. That's a great point about McCarthy. I just kind of forget. Um, I mean, he's the classic meathead and buffoon. He spends a handful <laughs> of months with analytics guys, and all of a sudden he's an analytics guy. Uh, that's just the disrespect yeah. towards analytics, I think. And um, we'll see about the Eagles. Obviously, they're in rebuilding mode. I'm not big on Jalen Hurts. I have his under passing yards for the season. There's a chance in my eyes that he does not even start all games, not just injury, but I think he gets pulled at some point. I don't think he's the answer. I think the book will be out, and uh, opposing defense will finally adapt to him, and he's going to run as well. They're going to grind the clock. So I just don't think his passing game is up to snuff. What are some other totals you have? Uh, you guys are positioning yourself to want, kind of like basically you're betting behind the counter but moving, manipulating the market, at least your market, for, for that position? Well, what you can do with these win totals is you can kind of see what you can. You can see what your competitors are dealing and you can put it to the number where you're going to write money on the side you want to write money. And we've been very aggressive about doing that in the NFL win totals market. I mentioned the Cowboys. Another team we're, we're positioning to need under is the Cleveland Browns. You know, you got their win total right now at 10.5. We've taken a lot of butts over 10.5. I wouldn't say we don't like the Browns. That's not really the case. But very tough schedule. You know, we, we think the Bengals are going to surprise some people. Pittsburgh is going to be is going to be pretty solid as well. And then obviously you got Baltimore in that division too. So tough division there. Also the New England Patriots. You know we, we've taken a lot of bets on New England under nine and a half. Questions at the quarterback positions there for sure. And then you might not like this, but we we also are, are positioning ourselves to go under need the Reds or the Washington Football Team to go under their win total under eight and a half. You so you think the they're going to be worse than they are? That the, so you think they're going to be worse than the perception? Uh, yeah, well, we think, they're, we think the perception of them is they're overrated, and we can talk about this I in agree. a second, but we've taken, we've taken more bets on the Washington football team to win, the, to win the NFC East than any team in the NFL to win any division in the NFL. We're taking Volume-wise, the, the not dollar-wise, talking about tickets. We've taken more bets on Washington winning its division than any team in the league. Washington, and we've also taken a lot of bets on Washington to win the NFC. Uh, so Washington's a team a lot of people are pointing to in that division, and, and we're positioning ourselves to go the other way on Washington. We like the. Uh, we also are positioning ourselves to need the Titans to go under their win total. Thought it was an overrated move bringing in Julio Jones, and, and we think that division's a little better than than people realize. Although, uh, you know, Jacksonville certainly some question marks there about uh, what they're doing so far in the preseason. I don't know what – I don't know why they're pretending like uh, – I know that they named Trevor Lawrence the starting quarterback, but it almost seemed like they took the first two preseason games to pretend like they were actually considering Minshew, and I didn't really understand what they were doing. It's like, just go with Lawrence already, guys. Obviously, he's your quarterback. Uh, it made well, I know C.J. Beathard. He's the guy who lit it up in the fourth the other night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I know that I, I was, uh, let's say watching that second half, but I, I just, uh, I, I don't think, 
I think it's obvious Jacksonville should be going with Lawrence. They are going with Lawrence, but they already lost Travis Etienne for the season. And I, I've got some questions about Urban Meyer, although it might be a little unfair when you're only talking about two preseason games. You know, I'm right there with you on a lot of these. Washington and Sal Palantonio, we call him Uncle Sal, not to be confused with Cousin Sal. Uh, Uncle Sal brought up before the playoff game last year how Washington's defense, the reputation is fine, but more so like all those crazy stats were really within the division when they faced bad quarterbacks. Dallas post-Dak, obviously. Eagles had their issues at quarterback position, and then Daniel Jones was a turnover machine at times. So the numbers were really skewed to division play outside the division. The numbers weren't that strong. Now, that being said, they had no quarterback play, a lot of three and outs, a lot of short fields. So some of that could have been skewed with bad quarterback play. On paper, this defense is solid. You add Fitzpatrick. I understand the entrance in Washington, interest, I should say, and then that is compounded by the Dak injury and distaste for the Cowboys outside of actual Cowboys fans. I think the Giants are the team people are sleeping on in this division. I think they're much better now. Do they win it? I don't know. But it is fascinating that everyone's jumping on the football team train. Right now, I talked about a lot of them were positioning need the under, a lot of win totals, I should say. Two of the ones we're looking, we're going to need the over on are the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Both the New York teams right now, we're, we're positioning ourselves to want them over their win total. I don't really, I don't have a lot of confidence in Daniel Jones. I don't know how else to say it, but uh, otherwise, I like a lot of the pieces in New York, and I, I, I'm, the coach makes me a little nervous. I, I keep hearing that he's like a taskmaster, and I, I feel like you can lose the team that way because this isn't peewee football. This is the NFL. Right. But I, I, do think I do think their roster, there is a lot of talent, and I agree with what you said about that division. I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of right in line with you on, on the NFC East here at the Superbook. A lot of the same opinions. Hopefully we don't all look foolish here in the next few weeks. But there's a lot of betting interest in that division. You know, everybody joked last year – about how bad it was, and Washington won it with a pretty lousy team. But there's a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about the NFC East at the betting window uh, this season, for sure. You know, it's a great point. The division was inept. I don't think. I actually think the AFC South will be that this year's version of that. I think we might have a under 500 winner there. Uh, probably not, but you never know. I, I do think the teams will be better. I just don't know if they're going to notch wins. I'm surprised that we're so in line. It's funny you mentioned the Jets. I was very, uh, I don't want to say bullish, but I was on the over in the spring. We had to do some season win totals for ESPN.com's chalk section. And I was on the over. Mm -hmm. And then as time went on, I heard from Bear and some others on this team, and they liked the under. And I was like, yeah, that I don't see the over cashing with this team, with this Jets team. I love the upgraded coach. Quarterback play should be better. They'll be healthier. I mean, last year they were so banged up. They won't have zero blitzes in Hail Mary situations, hopefully. And... But it's a lot of what, what do they need seven to cash the over. Well, you know, Bear, hold on, Bear's a Jets fan, so I, I think he's doing this whole. I think he's doing this whole thing where he's like Ed Salmons, my colleague here at the Superbook, is like this shameless homer that just pushes the Eagles on everybody. Whereas I think Bear is doing the reverse of that, kind of like jinxing the team because he 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 wants them to do well. I, I don't I don't know if I believe that story, but I agree with what you said. Like the coaching move. I mean, basically, Adam Gaze to anybody is going to be an upgrade. Yeah, a warm body. A warm body is an upgrade. Yeah, I feel that way about the Jets, and I feel that way about the Chargers, where they they replace the coach with anybody, and I think you're going to see an upgrade there. And I agree with you about the quarterback, about Zach Wilson. 
they got to stay healthy. I, I know they've already had a little bit a little bit of injury issues in training camp there, but they do have to stay healthy. But that division, you can beat a team like Miami. New England's a team we've got a lot of questions about. Buffalo's going to be very good, I think, for sure. But it, there are some there are some wins out there in the AFC East. Seven and it's, ten is tough, though. I don't yeah, I, I I cannot condone the over there. I think under hits way more likely than over in fifty percent. You know, obviously you include the push on both sides, but uh, I'm surprised you guys are fading New England. I'm I'm bullish on them. We had Aaron Schatz not too long ago here on the podcast of Football Outsiders, and by the way, we taped a bunch of podcasts this summer. The shelf life is there, whether it be college or NFL. Tons of shelf life. Looking ahead to the season, and the metrics love the Patriots in terms of value, payouts, season. Uh, not necessarily win total, but like division odds, things like this, just because they're giant upgrade on defense and Belichick will figure out the offense. And now that they're obviously going with the two tight end set, um, I, I, I'm, I'm big, like I, in, in bill, I trust. So whatever they decided, the yeah. quarterback situation, obviously cam's got some issues right now. Maybe it's Mac Jones. I doubt it, but I think cam's waning, excuse me, wearing on teammates. Uh, I, I just think that the Patriots will be back a- after last year. You want to be careful going against Bill Belichick. That's something we've, I think we've learned over the years. I just was surprised to see them being so aggressive in free agency. I feel like that was a very un-Bill Belichick type of thing to do. Uh, just like right when free agency opened, they went and signed all these guys, like you mentioned the tight ends and a few players on defense. It, it just seemed a little out of character for the Patriots, but we'll see. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and stand on my soapbox telling everybody to bet against Bill Belichick. I don't think that would be a good advice. Well, let me put it this way. Maybe Belichick was very emotional. So he saw Brady win, saw all the trashing and dumping on Belichick. Clearly, Brady was the secret to the success in in New England all those years, although people are dismissing completely all the other issues that the Patriots had. It wasn't just Brady leaving. So maybe he just had like an impulsive chase bet, if you will, by splurging and spending all that money to try to get back and kind of win over the uh, narrative. Well, I think that Belichick said it during last season. He said that they had kind of gone all in, and they they knew that team wasn't going to be very good last year. They they they'd gone all in. I think he they had been to the Super Bowl like three of the last five years and had a ton of success. And then they they sort of had to pay the bill last season. Brady saw the writing on the wall, got the hell out of there, got to a much better team that was going to pay him a lot more money. Very smart. No one's questioning Tom Brady's smarts. And the, and the Patriots were just, they just weren't going to be very good, whether Brady stayed or not, is sort of the, uh, sort of what it looked like to me. All right. So those are your positions. You mentioned a couple overs after all those unders. Any other teams before we move on? Not really. I mean, I, we can get into some stuff on the, on the divisions and the conferences and the Super Bowl, if you'd like. But th- those are, yeah. the, those are the, main, the main positions we're taking and the win totals we already covered. Okay, so I, I'm questioning the Cleveland stance. I want to, by the way, I glossed over that. You mentioned it's not like you don't think Cleveland's good. It's just their roster is loaded. I really think they're a sleeping giant, and they've turned things around. They have the right coach in place. I'm a little skeptical about Baltimore with the Lamar Jackson COVID stuff. With him and, and Kirk Cousins, you almost have to budget in a, a game, not canceled, but missing their quarterback or something like that, just given how easily it can contract and the vaccine, and they've already failed multiple tests. Like, you just mm-hmm. – how about this? I'm reluctant to bet futures on the Ravens for that reason alone. Well, they did announce uh, – we did get an alert this morning that Lamar Jackson is expected to start week one. Good. You know, imagine 
imagine my shock when I got that alert. But <laughs> you, you know, you went, you took us through the Cowboys schedule, and I, I agreed with that. But look at Cleveland's away schedule. This is the Cleveland Browns away opponents: Kansas City, Minnesota, the LA Chargers, Cincinnati, New England, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a tough, tough yeah. slate of away games for the Cleveland Browns. There is a ton of talent on that roster. There's no question about that. And we saw how good they can be. I mean, they almost knocked off Kansas City in that AFC Divisional playoff game. I know a lot of that is because Mahomes got hurt. But the bottom line is they were right there. They gave a, a huge scare to the, to the Chiefs in that game. There's a lot of talent on that roster. But 10 and a half is a lot of wins. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot to think that they could get, could, could get to 11 wins, in my opinion. That, that, would take a, that would take an almost perfect season. With that away schedule that I just ran through and a tough division, 11 and 6, 12 and 5. I mean, that's that's a home run season for the Browns. And to your point earlier, it's a tough division, right? Like the Bengals may be competent, may sneak a win here and there in the division at home or something mm-hmm. like that. Ravens are the Ravens. So. Steelers are not dead just yet, although everyone wants to write them off. This is still a team that started 11 0. They're not a doormat punching bag. So, yeah, no, for sure that division is tough. And you mentioned the schedule already. Absolutely. Yeah. I think just to be clear, we're not really, we don't think the Browns are not going to be good. We just look at their schedule. We look at their division and we think this would really take a a season with no major issues for them to get to that 11, 12 win number. It's not, not impossible because there's so much talent on that roster. The, the spoils of being so bad for so long, all those high draft picks, but it's, it's going to take a lot to go to put a record like that up in that division. All right, sounds good. So you mentioned the NFC East high-ticket count with the Washington football team. What other liabilities and ticket counts stand out? Well, you know who's really popular as well also in the NFC in the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people backing them. There, was, there were a lot of people backing them, and it looked like Rodgers might retire or be traded out of Green Bay. And they're still backing Minnesota at the window here. We, we opened them plus 375 to win the North. We got as low as plus 175 when we were a little nervous about Rodgers. Now that it looks like Rodgers is pretty firmly the quarterback in Green Bay, we've bumped them back up to plus 285. But I think they are our biggest liability in terms of dollars. I think of any team in the league in the division markets, them and the Atlanta Falcons in the South. Not as worried about the Falcons, to be honest, but we, we definitely are uh, – we're definitely have a pretty big liability on Minnesota and they're a pretty clear second favorite in the division. So you got to keep an eye on that. Um, I don't understand the infatuation with the Atlanta Falcons over the years. It's become a kind of a joke. The barstool guys have done a great job with it. Uh, I don't understand just the, the, you know, the punishment everyone wants just to keep betting on the Falcons. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for people to stop. We just have a monster liability on them because of some big bets. Uh, one guy bet two grand on them. This is talking about the NFC South. One guy bet two grand at sixteen to one to win thirty-two thousand. Another guy bet eighteen seventy-five to win thirty k on the Falcons to win the South. Just some big tickets in there, adding up quickly. And then there's a volume of tickets even as we get down to fourteen to one, twelve to one. A lot of bets on on Atlanta. That's okay with us. I mean, right now we're in a position where we win on Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Carolina. So I don't know that we're really too nervous about about the NFC South at this time. Tampa Bay and New Orleans look to be head and shoulders above those teams. I think New Orleans is kind of a forgotten team. They've got a really fun quarterback now, and Jameis. Yeah, your guy. And and I think I think that they're kind of a forgotten squad. And I like Carolina. 
I like Carolina a little bit. Love the coaching staff in Carolina. And I would have them being slightly better than Atlanta. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Atlanta's the worst team in the division. Although, if Kyle Pitts-McGee steals the spotlight and is the stud that everyone thinks he is, then he could be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't believe in their coach. I, I, there's a lot to dislike there in Atlanta. I will say I think the Saints are legit. We forget that they dominated both regular season meetings last year against Tampa. That defense can be a difference maker. And then you also have Jameis Winston now the starter, which is what I expected, which is what you expected. I told people to bet him 25-1 to 1 to win comeback player of the year. He's now the second shortest odds behind Dak at plus 750 at some books. So missed the boat on that. But in general, Drew Brees was a shell of his prime self, right, last year, particularly in the playoffs. He was terrible. I think, hot take alert, that they would have won the playoff game if Jameis was their quarterback and not Brees. Uh, Brees was a disaster. And his arm was shot. There's a reason he retired right after that. So uh, I think I don't the disagree. There. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, the upside. I, I, I don't. Dis- I think you're right. And the reason he had all those interceptions because that Tampa defense stunk, and he had to force stuff. You don't have to do that. Hopefully, they can coach some checkdowns into Camara, and he can still throw the deep ball and stretch the field. The ceiling is much higher than it is with Taysom Hill. Saints have a puncher's chance out there in the NFC. I still think Tampa wins the division, but don't forget. They owned Tampa last year. Now, this Tampa team much better, seamless, 11 starters on both offense and defense returning for a Super Bowl champ, first time in NFL history, that's the case. But I'm right there with you with, with New Orleans being kind of in the mix. Don't forget about them, especially if Callaway can do something as a receiver to replace the injured Michael Thomas. Makes me nervous when I hear the Tampa Bay is bringing back the whole band. I don't know that that's really the right approach. I mean, obviously, you keep your, your key central pieces of course but i think you should be mixing in other guys around those key guys i don't know that really just saying okay we're going to go back to go back to battle with the same exact team is the correct move but but we'll see i mean we'll, we'll see i it just it's been funny we're, we're getting flooded with bets on the bucks in the nfc and the super bowl market especially the nfc market and it, it's almost like people forget this is a team that didn't even win its division last year new orleans won the nfc south they were on the road all three playoff games. They were a dog against the Saints and the Packers before they were a dog in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. I know they won all those games, but I, I really don't know how much value there is on some of these NFC bets I'm seeing on the Bucs. I mean, we're, we're all the way down to 2-1 to one on the Bucs to win the NFC. Silly. And people are still betting it. People are still betting it. This we had a guy, we NBA, opened it. Right? It's not the NBA. Right. When we opened it at 6-1, to one, we took bets just immediately, which maybe we were a little too high on that one, admittedly. We got down to 4-1, to one, and we had a guy come in and bet eighteen grand on them at 4-1 to one to win the NFC. We, we kept lowering it and lowering it and lowering it, raising other teams, but the money just kept coming in on the bucks, even now. Even as we sit here, it's 2-1, to one, and we still see money come in on the bucks, the Vikings and, the, uh, and Washington, other very popular teams being bet here to win the NFC. For sure, uh, Washington. Washington, the liability is just silly. I, I, I mean, I, I grew up rooting for what was a team that at the time they called them the Redskins, and uh, I can't believe it either. I, I don't see how they could actually win a conference, get to a Super Bowl, but we have one guy that bet five grand at thirty to one that they would do just that. Yeah, a little too much hype on that defense, and then Fitzmagic. Maybe he can curb his tendency to force stuff be a game manager a little bit and pick his spots with the deep ball and i like mclaurin obviously total stud uh, we'll see 
We'll see about Washington, the football team. We have breaking news happening on our show. The Denver Broncos have officially announced Teddy Bridgewater, QB1. How do you feel mm-hmm. about that? Oh, that's not great for us because we, we had put up a bet in uh, at the Superbook in Colorado that we, we had odds on who would take the first snap for them, and we do lose on Bridgewater, but it's also not the end of the world. And I don't I, I think it's probably the right move. I, I've never been a Drew Locke guy, uh, to put that nicely. And I've always thought Bridgewater's a guy that didn't really get his due decent quarterback he's not going to be a franchise guy for the broncos but he doesn't have to be the broncos have a lot of talent they've got a lot of talent at the playmaker positions on offense they got a lot of talent on defense they don't need bridgewater to do much more than just sort of manage the game for them my question right there with you vic fangio right vic fangio defensive minded coach he's going to go with the guy he can trust solidify he's going to try to win some games 17 14 and I think they can. The issue there is that division is, man, that division's tough. I, I love the Chargers this year. They're absolutely loaded. They brought in anyone's going to be an upgrade over Anthony Lynn, just like anyone's going to be an upgrade over Adam Gaze. And, uh, and of course, Kansas City should be very, very good, right? So the, the division there is real tough. I think that'll be the Broncos' biggest problem. It's crazy that we agree on everything. I, I really like the Chargers, and I'm one that of those That makes me nervous, that, man. That makes that me is, nervous. I'm I think one of those guys that you're is a listener. Not- <laughs> a listener ahead. should be like wow these guys agree on everything that is bad that that's concerning like we should be arguing all right i mean we can't have yeah, we can't agree on wrong? everything that's that's scary man that's a little scary well much like i mentioned the falcons earlier the chargers are one of those teams that just vegas sharps and everyone just loves every year i've actually not been yeah. one of those charger uh the kool-aid guys if you will i think this is the year right you got derwin james coming back i think herbert's been great but the division to your point um i wonder you know, how it all materializes with that division because any concern that these guy like Herbert who hasn't played in front of a crowded stadium? I don't, I don't think about stuff like that, to be honest with you. My, my concern with the chargers, you just mentioned Derwin James, who I think is one of the best players in the league, but he gets hurt right away. Mm -hmm. Like, like they, they need Derwin James. They need Bosa. They need these guys to stay healthy. That's the chargers problem. If they keep that whole group healthy on defense, especially, and they keep Herbert intact behind what looks like a really good offensive line, I mean, I think the Chargers could go to the Super Bowl. There's that much talent there, but they've got to keep these key players healthy. Yeah, I mean, they could take like the Tampa Bay sort of route, right? Not win the division, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of peak late sure. and make a run. Obviously, it helped that Tampa got a team in the first round where they play on the road that had a losing record despite being a division champ. I will say this, Fangio in the neighborhood of plus 450 to be the first coach fired. And the Bridgewater News. I'm not a big Fangio. Fangio's on my radar, bro. Because like, I'm looking for my next coach to make fun of. Right. As some of the guys I like to make fun of, like Gaze got fired. Fangio is kind of – he's on my radar. That, and, and Kingsbury is the other one. He, Kingsbury loves to kick field goals. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think of him because you, you think of him as like this hot shot, young, offensive-minded guy, and then you see him going out there kicking 21-yard field goals. It's like, what the hell are you doing? So, uh, Fangio is the favorite Kingsbury, right now, I think, in one of my books. I'm, so. I'm checking some others uh, where in other markets and other books you can bet on this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like Fangio is your favorite. Now, obviously it makes sense. Like urban Meyer may have a way worse record, but he's not going to be fired. Right. right? So you have to kind of no, no. play the game a little bit. Who's on the hot seat, if you will. 
And uh, I don't think there's a seat hotter than maybe Vic Fangio. Maybe I'm just missing. But you're right about Kingsbury, uh, the aggressive, young, hotshot guy. Um, Not really uh, living up to that sort of label uh, with his field goal. Coach Gruden likes to – Coach Gruden likes to kick field goals. Your coach, my coach here in Las Vegas, he likes to kick field goals. He he kind of – they were going touchdown for touchdown with Tampa Bay last season, and then he kicked a field goal, and was like, I was just like, okay, game's over. And then the Buccaneers went right down the field and scored a touchdown. He likes to kick field goals. The guy who should be on the hottest hot seat is Mike McCarthy. Let's get that out there. He right. should be on the hottest hot seat. But it's, it, it is actually probably your, what you just said, Vic Fangio. No, McCarthy should be there. I mean, that that's what it is. And mm-hmm. he's – and, you know, it goes back to the Cowboys discussion. For Dak getting hurt, he was obviously lighting it up, but they weren't exactly 5-0 and when he got hurt either, um, that defense. So we'll see if he shores it up. MVP, I've uh, talked a lot this summer, and I'll be brief. I think Mahomes at 5-1 to one or better is the value. I know we always try to get the long shots, and we've been spoiled in this betting market. Five of the last six, I believe, MVP winners – have been at least 25 to one or longer entering the season. And I realize that and the long shots have actually paid off, but it's, it's been surprise one seeds, right? The Ravens with Lamar Jackson, the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, even uh, Matt Ryan with the Falcons. I just don't see a surprise one seed. And last year we got cute. Oh, Russell Wilson's now the favorite week four or five, whatever it was this year. That's just not going to be the case. I think Mahomes is going to be like three to one by week three or four. We, we have one guy that agrees with you here at the Superbook. We had one gentleman. He bet 5,000 on Mahomes at 5-1. to one. We went to 9-2. to two. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's getting a lot of action. Uh, we got a lot of bets on Rodgers. One guy bet 6,300 on Rodgers at 12-1 to one to win 75,000 and change. We lowered Rodgers to 8-1, to one, bumping up some of these other guys like Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson. The guys we have our biggest liabilities on, Matthew Stafford, the new Rams quarterback. Yeah. I mean, talk about, we talked about some coaches that were replacing people with any warm body would be better. It's hard to believe anybody could be worse than Jared Goff. I like Stafford. That makes sense. And, and Stafford's been bet down from 25 to one to 14 to one big liability there. He gets to work with Sean McVay in I Los can't Angeles believe you guys at 25 to one. Yeah. I mean, that was, that might've been a little too high and we got, we definitely got hit on that. And then Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill is a guy oh we've taken a lot of action on. We had him at 80 to 1. We're all the way down to 30 to 1. Big crush of bets on Tannehill when they traded for Julio Jones. We'll see. New offensive coordinator there. His old offensive coordinator is in Atlanta. He does have Julio Jones, some other weapons there. Big liability there. And then we tell our guys here when it's for the Heisman and for the NFL MVP. If somebody wants to bet you a non-quarterback, just write the bet for the most part. I know I realize that Devontae Smith won the Heisman last season. I know that. but He shouldn't have. Uh, for the most I, part, I will take that to my grave. Well, I will be sitting on my deathbed and still complaining over that. If somebody wants to bet a running back or a wide receiver to win the MVP, our answer will most likely be, where's the money? Go for it. Um, especially because you have tons of pool money. And the quarterbacks, right? You're going to have big bets. You just mentioned Aaron Rodgers and 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 Mahomes. You're going to have a lot of those. I I, I will say there's been a little Aaron Donald buzz, hundred to one, I believe, hundred and change out there. I like Stafford. I don't know if he'll get the credit. He should get the credit, but it's one of those things where like McVeigh would have gotten all the credit when Goff does well. Goff gets all the blame when he doesn't do well. I'm with you. I think Goff can get 
pulled. I think David Blau could be better for all we know in Detroit. That coach is a meathead. I don't see Detroit being much of a force. I think week one, let, let's, let's pivot to week one a little bit. Mm-hmm. True or false? Odds makers try to avoid double-digit spreads based on just how you guys are programmed in, in your DNA in week one and stuff. By week five, you guys have no problem getting there. Once you, why, why aren't we a double-digit spread on some of these uh, bad teams like, you know, said Detroit Lions? I think it's mostly the matchups. I mean, if, if Detroit was playing at Kansas City in the first game of the season, they'd be a huge underdog. We wouldn't care about a, a double-digit spread in week one. It wouldn't prevent us from doing that. I mean, I know what you're saying. You're saying you think you think some of these favorites are going to get bet up as we get closer to. Or you're going to take a bath on them. Is my point. Sunday. That's what I'm anticipating. Well, we, we've are, I mean, we've already taken a lot of bets on uh, on the Buffalo Bills uh, against Pittsburgh. One guy bet fifty thousand on the Bills minus <laughs> six and a half. That moved us up to seven. And I obviously we're gonna we're gonna have a ton of money on the Buccaneers. That that Thursday night game. The Thursday seven night and a half already. Good. Well, that it's been bumped up to seven and a half. A because we're taking so much money on the Bucks, and B again, the question marks about Dak Prescott's health. I mean, that game is only what fifteen days from today, so there, there's a couple of question marks there. Every money line parlay and teaser that the sports books write that first week of NFL, which is the third busiest week of the year in the sports books, is going to have the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in it. It reminds me of the the Thursday night opener. I think it was four or five years ago. Kansas City went at New England. And New England was over a touchdown favorite. Everybody bet on New England money line, New England uh, teasers. And the Chiefs won that game outright. I think Alex Smith was their quarterback at that time. And it was a huge win for the books. And this Buccaneers-Cowboys game is setting up similarly. I think you guys should be at Niners minus 10. No, not Niners you. Minus 10. I think well, the market should. Let me put it that way. Question marks about question marks about the Niners. I, I love the Niners roster, and I love Kyle Shanahan. I don't think Kyle Shanahan gets enough credit. Everybody's always rushing to praise McVay. I think people lose track of what a great play caller and a great coach Kyle Shanahan is. The question mark with San Francisco is the quarterback. I mean, I'm guessing they're probably going to go Garoppolo week one. I don't think a whole lot. It of doesn't matter. To your point, Shanahan will call all the plays. This Detroit defense I love stinks. Shanahan. The report just surfaced that Swift is banged up, may not be ready for the opener. Uh, we've we've seen and heard enough from Dave Dan Campbell. I just don't see how the Lions. I just don't want to be on like Detroit Dan plus seven F. Yeah, I don't want to be on Detroit plus seven Campbell F. Let's guy. put it that way. Uh, I, I, the, <laughs> I the Rams like line Dan is Campbell. cheap. I mean, that's a teaser. That's a teaser waiting to happen. Those two teams, right? We've got more tickets on on the Forty ers than any ticket any team. In, in, in week one, to your point. So, you don't, well, except for, hold on a second, excuse me, except for the Buccaneers. So I'm only looking, uh, let's rephrase that as we have more tickets on the 49ers than any team playing on Sunday. The Buccaneers is by far the most tickets for, for that opening. Makes that sense. Opening I mean, with the DAC news surfacing. Sure. No, I mean, look, I, I we said on air, we talked about it on Daily Wage, the opening, you said bet six and a half, it's going to go up. Teaser for sure. I can't lay seven half. I cannot condone that. That has backdoor cover. If not, you know, tight game. The offense is explosive. There are a ton of weapons on that Dallas team. And he's got two weeks to figure out that he's going to be throwing today, seven on seven for the first time in a while. So Dak could be healthy by then. You know who we didn't talk about? We, we talked about coaches that should be on the hot seat, and that's a, that's a mistake by us. Matt Nagy. Why are the Bears still pretending that they're going to, that they should be playing Andy Dalton? 
if, if the Bears trot out Andy Dalton in that first game, well, they they're going to lose. Like they should. They, well, you, don't, gonna, you don't. You don't put fields. He, that 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 play. He got his head taken off. That's a and and Hasselbeck did a nice job explaining. Them. That's a quarterback read and at the line of scrimmage telling your offensive line to slide right. He completely missed it. I don't think Fields is good. Uh, everyone is Hall of Fame anointing him, but remember, he stunk against the Dolphins ones in his debut until he got to face the scrubs, and then we saw what happened. Yeah, true. Well, the next week. Uh, I got I mean, a lot of got, questions about Fields. I agree with you. His I just upside don't is there, and I hope he's good, goal. but I would not throw – I would not throw him to Aaron Donald in that Rams defense on the road in week one. That's what Andy <laughs> Dalton's warm body is for. No, I'm serious. Yeah. You have to. Well, this the, is the kind of thing that Matt Nagy could get. But this is how Matt Nagy could get himself fired. We're talking about that first coach to get fired pool. If he's playing Dalton, the, 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 the fan base is going to go wild. He's going to be on a very hot seat if they start the season with a couple of losses. And that Sunday night game, we're going to need the Bears big because a lot of the teasers and money line parlays – that are alive from Thursday and Monday and Sunday morning are going to go to the Rams. And I just, I, I I'm picturing Andy Dalton out there just running for his life and a final score of like 30 to seven. Yeah. And it's, I, it's I would troubling. put that line and not it's like, it's, 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 first of all, I would play fields week two. I mean, I would start Dalton week one and then play fields at home against the Bengals. Like that's what I would do. Or the mm-hmm. lions in week four at home. You, you have a couple nice situations where you can do that. I would not throw him to the Wolves, to the Rams, because he's just not ready. And I'm with you, but the front office is just as much to blame as Nagy. But going back to these point spreads, like which do you think should be higher? Rams against the Bears or Bills against the Steelers? Like I understand everyone's pounding the Bills, but I don't think that line should be seven or higher. But I do think the Bears line should be higher. And the, and we oh, were touched on that. the Niners, right, line, although the, the Bills, Niners are on the road. The Steelers are, are being a little bit forgotten, I think. Um, I, I don't disagree with that, it's especially like we just ran through the Bears quarterback situation. Uh, I, I would have to say that the Rams are a safer bet against the Bears than the Bills are against the Steelers. So if you're going to and also, too, there's going to be a lot more volume in that Bears-Rams game because it's a Sunday night game and it's on an island at night like that with so many parlays and teasers running to the Rams that uh, that line has a much better chance of going up than the Bills one does. The Bills one probably has a better chance of going down. Now, if, if the schedule was flipped and that Bills-Steelers game was on Sunday night and the Bears-Rams game was lost in the shuffle of the day, it'd be different. you got to always think about that when you're talking about where the lines are going to move. The Sunday night game, when there's a favorite like that, probably the most likely game of the week to rise. As the books grade all their afternoon games, see their liabilities going into the favorite on Sunday night, you can definitely see the numbers getting bumped up. Happens all the time. Yeah, we've talked about that in the past, especially when we used to have the double header on Monday night. I will say this. Um, you know, we talk about week one, and it's fun. We get to do it all summer. Usually, week-to-week base in the NFL and college, you only have like five, six, seven days for the line movement. Mm-hmm. This is months. So do you think we'll see that kind of line movement? That I guess just the public stampede once, you know, the games are approaching in that Sunday night bailout game? I think it's very possible if we if Tampa Bay wins on Thursday and some of these other favorites you touched on, the 49ers, obviously they're going to be included in a ton of parlays. I would imagine the Bills will be included in a lot of parlays. Kansas City most likely will be as well. If all those teams have won earlier in the day, earlier in the week, yes, the Rams line has a chance to jump up. And I could say the same thing about Baltimore the next night, uh, the home opener for the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. 
I think there's going to be a lot of parlay liability going to Baltimore. I know that the Raiders are the local team, but the public bets on the favorites, and, and they're going to be they're going to be ending their parlays with Baltimore and with the Rams. Yeah, this line felt short. It's now trickling up to four and a half. By the way, if I'm you, I would put the Rams at seven and a half right now. That's just what I would do. There are a couple seven we, and a halfs in the market already. That's what I would do. That's Circus outstanding at seven because and a half. we are we are. We are at seven and a half right now. Yeah, so should, I mean, we, it's just silly. We, the number's not coming down. Like, Andy Dalton's not going to shine in week three of the preseason and move the market down. The Rams have obviously had some uh, running back issues. They traded for Sonny Michelle today. But come Sunday night, that thing's not going to be at seven. It's just silly. It could be at seven and a half and not go higher. I think it's going to be eight. And then you get in that no man's land where you can go quickly from eight and a half to nine and a half, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, with the Raiders... You do have you got issues when when you have multiple you're trading multiple draft picks for Sonny Michelle you you've got issues at running back uh, there's no doubt about that yeah no and they've actually traded a ton of picks uh, over the years I over know. the coming years for for a bunch of running backs uh, Baltimore by the way has won and covered five straight season openers so Harbaugh really knows how to ride the momentum of preseason into that opener this Las Vegas team is going to have some trouble uh, I'm just you know disappointed with my Raiders I like being back in the same city as they are. Kind of reminds me of my youth, but it's going to be a tough division as we touched on earlier. So I think that's going to cover it for us. Any college you want to just rip through for our, our listeners, or we could always do it. Um, you know, we have week zero this weekend, week one. Um, but uh, maybe if you can just rip through some college futures. Yeah, sure. The The ticket count numbers, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Georgia, Clemson are, are, the, are the ones the public's really betting Money-wise, of course, Alabama gets the most money because you got to bet so much to win anything on them. We had these a guy are futures to win it all? To win it all, excuse okay. me, you're right. To win it all, we had a guy bet 30K on Alabama at 2-1. to one. He bet 30K on Alabama to win the conference at minus 140. The biggest tickets out there, it's got, one guy's got five grand on Texas at 80-1 to one to win 400,000. I found that bet shocking. Uh, and then another guy has... 2,500 on Miami, Florida at 100 to one to win a quarter of a million. That would make me a little nervous if I bet Miami because I think they're going to have their hands full. They play that decent Alabama team right out the gate. If they get dusted in that game, uh, we might see that number go higher. Some win total bets with 25,000 on Arizona State over eight and a half. Pretty big bet in the, in the win total market there. Some big bets on Alabama under, under 11.5, South Carolina over 3.5, getting a lot of money. Some fun Heisman bets. We gave a guy $1,000 on Brees Hall, the Iowa State running back, at 80 to 1 to win 80,000. Like I said earlier, if they want to bet a running back, we say yes. JT Daniels, the biggest liability amongst the contenders, he's down from 25 to 1 to 12 to 1. You know, we haven't had a lot of luck. I can luck see that. The, I can uh, see. They may go undefeated. I can see that. They got their hands full, man. They got Clemson in week one. I know. I, I Clemson, think, uh, no Bama, though. I think no Bama. No Bama. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. But Clemson, Georgia, it was going to be just an awesome game. We are already seeing some sharp guys taking Georgia. That number's been bet down from Georgia plus four to Georgia plus three. Week one, the primetime game. That was such That's an, an awesome obvious game. line move. I saw that coming a mile away, although the Bulldogs are getting some injuries. But I... I I saw the four. I was like, no way that lasts. No way. I'm fired up, man. I'm fired up for September 4th. I'm fired up. You know, last football season, we didn't have, we had all these occupancy restrictions here in Vegas. We didn't have the full crowds. We didn't have the busy counter. The app was firing, obviously, but we didn't have the busy counter, the busy, the huge crowds. I'm excited to get back to that. And there's some really good college matchups week one. 
I'm, I'm psyched for sure. Uh, real quick, just ripping through some of those college uh, futures and win totals. You bet. Are those all sharp plays, like the 30K Bama 2-1? to one? Uh, the, we, we don't know those guys, to tell you the truth. Um, okay. just a guy, just, I don't know who that guy is, to be honest with you, just a new, a new customer, but the, the Alabama and the South Carolina win total bets are, are players that we respect. And then the guy that came in and bet Arizona state over eight and a half, not sure who that guy was, but when, when you have these guys come in and make these bets and they give you weeks and weeks to maneuver the positions. It's okay because this is a pretty mature market now. The college football win totals, so we were comfortable taking that bet. Yeah, it's been up for several months, so that's what you mean by the mature market. I, I agree with that logic. You can always play out of it, massage the numbers, mm-hmm. if you will. Murray, great stuff as always. Really good insight. I know our uh, following uh, really appreciates um, your efforts and all your info that you bring to the table. It's been fun talking football again. We can taste it. I mean, look, we all love betting preseason. We all love. Uh, the WNBA and all the baseball as well, and the, fading the <laughs> Orioles for 19 straight games. But it is uh, we uh, all it is, love. We all love that. All, all. It's a big word. Have you guys taken a beating? The, 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 <laughs> <on> the Orioles. <laughs> no, you know August is our toughest hold month. I always tell our executives that because what are the two main sports in August? Preseason NFL, preseason NFL, which is a super sharp market, and baseball, of course, where you've got the 10 cent split, so it's harder to hold. A very tough hold market, uh, or I'm sorry, month of August, and it's been, it's been a slog. Like I just can't wait for it to be over. I can't wait for football to get here, and we can start making some money around here. Well, I don't want you guys to make money. I want us to make money, and on our side of the <laughs> counter. But it is good to get the okay. info and talk football, okay. and we'll get you back on here soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Behind the Bets podcast. Special thanks to John Murray of the Las Vegas Superbook. And uh, really, just reminder, the shelf life of all the other pods is still there and still solid. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. We do some college last week with a pro better, looking at the futures market. Even Tom Hart when we had the SEC Media Day. That stuff's still very interesting. He broke down every team, had some really good insight on that front. And don't forget the Daily Wager podcast is every day, posts around, I'd say 12.30 p.m. Eastern, plays and breakdowns of games that evening in addition to our daily show. That's bounced around a little bit. We'll be back Thursday and Friday this week, 6 Eastern on ESPN2, and then next week, 6 Eastern as well, but on ESPN News. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. You can listen and follow the Behind the Bets podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check out Doug Kazarian on Daily Wager, weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN2.